Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's the big guy, Scott Ferrara. We're at episode 146. Four away from that episode 150, yeah. man. It's we're coming into almost our fifth season. It's crazy. Oh, I know, seriously. And 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 you know, and we and Rick right is, here who's yeah, I know Rick, almost all the, along that process. Seriously, that time, I think awesome. I think between him and Mike Parazzini, there we have yeah. to go back and count to see who has the most appearances here. But oh. Rick Collins, the Jackal oh, King from the Jackal need to keep track of that. I'm gonna have to remember that for next time. Yeah, we're gonna have to get an intern to work for free, definitely. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But uh, Rick, thanks for stopping by. We're gonna have a great episode, and uh, you know, obviously, we start off after every um, we start off every episode rather with around the pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy, a legacy that stretches beyond your current team, a legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. All right, so Rob, hit that around the pitch topic, buddy. Well, I'm wearing the jersey uh, to honor the man, Cam Dolan, last weekend. Um, against Romania gets his hundredth point as a U.S. Eagle. He is, I mean, he, I think he's in the top five in caps. I lost track. I always have to talk to Terry just to check in and figure out, you know, to, to be reminded of what cap he's on, but he's closing in quickly on, on being number one. Um, so uh, I'm crossing my fingers, hope, hoping for Cam has good health because he can, he can be that number one uh, most capped Eagle, but congratulations to him from getting that hundredth point. Got that try, the opening salvo against Romania. Rick, what do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest news points this summer, this offseason, has been about unionization of um, MLR players. And there's been talk of that in the past, but I think it took a big step up this summer. There's been uh, multiple posts by other unions, uh, organizations supporting them. Uh, And then obviously this post, which came on the 7th of this month, we fully understand the necessity for MLR franchises to find their footing as the grant goes. And we are aware that this may necessitate transactions and relocation. We hope to see a day when the league respects the players enough to provide them with complete information before making announcements public uh, vis-a-vis the rugby ATL move, which we will be discussing soon. Um, And part of this is just they're getting a lot of support. Um, I think most of the fans support the union. Um, obviously the pay is not, you know, fantastic and we understand it's a growing league. So there's support on both sides, but we want to see a healthy league. And part of that is making sure that the players are well taken care of. So hopefully, uh, whether the union is accepted in the next year or two or not, the owners do do right by the players and, um, they're better informed. And they're better taken care of as we go into the future for MLR. Yep. And hopefully we'll see that National Labor Relations Board decision uh, come back soon so we can see what the next stepping stone is. Obviously, like Rick said, it's not just about pay. It's about health and safety. It's about travel. It's about, yep. you know, being informed. Yeah, like being informed exactly. is going to just pick up and leave the next day, as we've just seen. The uh, the players are informed enough in advance that they can make a better decision for themselves and their families. Exactly. So now we're coming to me. My around the pitch topic was obviously the PR sevens. If you didn't check it out, I had a whole bunch of content going into that uh, that weekend. Um, you know, I was pretty much giving you what the, the half times and the finals were of all those matches and kind of giving my little take on what's going on. Uh, I got to interview Elena Olson and just talk about the rise of PR sevens and what the what the future looks like and it looks bright. So go check us out. You know, um, actually our, our new handle uh, for Instagram is the rugby rant uh, because unfortunately the rugby rant pod uh, uh, got stolen, but you know, that's what happens sometimes. So check us out on our new handle on Instagram at the rugby rant. And then it's at rugby rant pod everywhere else. Check out that interview, check out my stuff. Um, 
and it's uh it's it was a really good event again they they capped off a great season with a good event in dc um the united championship uh winners were already kind of uh, uh picked based upon the fact that the experts men's and women's teams both went to the finals so they were going to pick up the most points so they had won that united championship even prior to the start of dc just by mathematics uh and then we had the women's looney side uh winning against my locals unfortunately 21 to 5 um, but it was good to see uh, Alev Kelter uh, bring her a strong Looney squad over for a win. And then our buddy Patrick Madden captained uh, the loggerheads to a win over the new team, the Steel Toes. The Steel Toes were hot straight out of Pittsburgh. Uh, my buddy Aki Raymond uh, played a real a hell of a match uh, for the Steel Toes in that final, but uh, couldn't round it out and uh, got some uh, got a nice picture with Patrick and, and gave him a big hug. Uh, he, he's one of the probably the he was I think he was the first draft pick we might have ever interviewed on RPK Rob. If, if my memory serves, I, I think so. Yeah. Or he, or he might've been the, not even a draft pick. I think he was a draft. He was, he, it was before, before we, we interviewed him yeah. prior to the draft. Right. So yeah. yeah, I think that was the first year of the draft and he was one of our first he's, interviews. He's a huge friend of the show. And yeah, and he's, I, he's, I, I love yeah. the kid. He's such a great kid. He's such a great attitude. And, mm-hmm. Um, just love see it. I, you know, I sent him a message after, you know, the win, like congratulations. And, you know, he all, all, all due respect to what he's accomplished and, you know, mm-hmm. what he's doing uh, with PR sevens and continuing his career. Yeah. I believe back to back for the logger men mm-hmm. heads, uh, logger heads, men's Rick. Go, go. The steel toes had uh, several uh, uh, past present and maybe future jackals on them. So maybe future. Yeah, there's one player that has uh, a father that I played with here locally uh, that would like to stay local. So nice, awesome fingers that that. Yeah, let's done. when the signing period comes. Hopefully, we'll see an announcement. That's great. Um, and before we get to our sponsors, we're actually going to give you guys a two for. We're doing two separate topics. Rick alluded to one of the topics is the is the move by Rugby ATL or whatever they're going to be called now. Um, That'll be the first topic. And then the second topic, we're actually going to talk about the men's Eagles win against Romania and preview a little bit of their upcoming match against Portugal. Um, But before that, we're going to get a word from our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark bale-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Welcome back, folks. You know, the sponsors are what makes the, the rugby rant go around. So we really appreciate the sponsors we have on the show. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the move from Rugby ATL. It was announced last week that Rugby ATL ownership had sold the uh, product and that it was moving. Um, there are speculations on where it's moving. There's speculations on ownership. There's a lot of commotion as, as Rick uh, spoke about previously in the Around the Pitch segment, uh, Rugby Now, which was the organization that's trying to unionize the MLL, MLR players, coming out and voicing their opinion on the matter. There's been a ton of opinions. I mean, me, I mean, between me and Rob, just texting back and forth, and, and you know, it's something that uh, I really, I honestly, I cherish because I can hit Rob with anything I'm thinking of just off the cuff, and he'll, you know, bring me back, be like, but what about this, this, and this? Uh, you know, I'll really, you know, we'll really kind of dive deep in it, and I really. Really appreciate that back and forth. But actually, we're going to start off with Rick because he's wearing the old school rugby ATL gear. So, Rick, give us your thoughts about this uh, new ATL move. Yeah, so this is actually a Connor Cook signed jersey that he sent to me. I was lucky enough to play with him briefly with the Dallas Harlequins and um, communication with him a little bit over the years. 
Um, you know, I I think it's obviously better to uh, keep a club in the league, um, even if they've got to move. Um, it happens in every sport. Um, it's disappointing to have a team leave that literally two years ago was in the championship game. Um, and I think, you know, I had maybe L.A., not been doing some shady stuff under the table. ATL might've been an actual uh, champion uh, that year. So um, I think, you know, it's also very difficult knowing the story of um, the, the, the original owner of the team. um, And that basically his death has led to the death of rugby ATL. Um, I'm glad that somebody has bought it and that they will be at least reinvigorating it, putting money into it rather than letting the club die. The worst part about this, though, was they dumped a bunch of money into rebranding, which nobody wanted, and I don't think was necessarily, uh, you know, uh, something that they needed to be done. And then um, everything that, followed after that was just an S show in my, in my book, uh, the way that they treated the fan base after announcing it, the way that they spoke to the fan base during the live YouTube or Facebook stream or whatever, which they immediately deleted because they didn't want that shared around because it was very clear that two of the people on that set didn't want to be on that video. And the other person kept repeating the same things over and over um, as if she was a customer service rep for a, you know, fortune 500 company dealing with some lowly person like myself on the other line into the line. So um, it's really disappointing. Um, I'll be very excited to see where they go. I've heard um, I'm, I'm sure this is a rumor that's widely passed around uh, that it will be Los Angeles, uh, but wherever they end up, um, Hopefully it's a location where not only do we have a good rugby fan base, but we have uh, a potential potential growing rugby fan base. And I can't disagree with moving to L.A. I I think what um, the Giltinis were able to create there in terms of momentum was really good. L.A. is obviously a very difficult uh, sports town in general. But um, I think it I think it can be successful there, and um, I would love to see another Western Conference team. It just seems like all the newest rumors and uh, bids that we've heard of have all been in the Eastern Conference. So um, can't hurt to have another Western Conference team actually in the West, not Chicago in the West. Chicago needs to join the East, and that's the way it should be. I mean, Nick Benson, are you listening? Because because Rick's Rick's throwing it down here as, as far as what he wants to see. Um, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I think those are good points. I think I'm not um, sure Nick likes us, but uh, anyway. Yeah, I gotta be honest. It sounds like he's been ducking us. Uh, you know, he he was supposed to come, and don't get me wrong, um, he was supposed to come on right after the the MLR championship, and like a lot of people, he did have travel issues, and I know he had travel issues. I think uh, Matt McCarthy was stuck in Chicago for like three extra days, unfortunately <laughs> trying to fly <laughs> home. To I swear to God. Yeah. It's, try, it's trying not to get them back. It's, it was no like, seriously, seriously though. Like, you know, everybody's been having travel rules, but that particular weekend being after, you know, July 4th and all that, I think really, that's stuck crazy. With a lot of people. I yeah, hadn't and, heard that. That's funny though. Yeah. No, like Matt McCarthy was like stuck, stuck for a while. Uh, got back home. You know, he's a, he's a bro. So he, he, he stuck it out, but Nick Benson unfortunately has not uh, recommitted to an interview date. Maybe I gotta start putting my big guy for for commissioner back up there. But um, but going on your points, I think you know I'm gonna kind of get in depth on my own my own feelings on this after Rob. I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but I think you know what you said. You you've hit a lot of things on the head um, that most fans are thinking. Um, not that I don't think you're like not people call me an insider or some shit. But like, you know, you, you have a voice like we do, a uh, voice of the fans. I think you hit a lot of stuff on the head. Yeah. Um, you know, rumors are rumors until they're, you know, there's some truth to those rumors. You know, we don't really report on them. That's the one thing we do take professionally generally is uh, 
is that portion. So there, there, um, there are definitely people though that uh, when I hear the rumor come from them, I take it at much higher oh, yeah. level of reasonability than than and and obviously media for us is for MLR is is very minimal still. So yeah, no, definitely. So I'm not I'm not trying to knock you on that one. Just you know, I say that every time we talk about rumor mill stuff, I like to put out that that. Yeah, that disclaimer. But I think you're right. Um, you know, it's again sad for the fans. But uh, Rob, what do you what do you got with this one? Yeah, so I want to put some things into context here. First of all, let me just say that I, I, I want to touch upon the struggle that I've had with this from a perception point. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, and and check out the RPK with Brandon Sparks because I think he has a really interesting take, and it differs a little bit from from a lot of what's out there. Um, it echoes uh, some of the MLR brass and some of the people that are insiders of the MLR, of course, because he is a former GM and director of rugby. But I think he he really puts a nice uh, uh, optic or spin on it. Uh, but it basically the the bottom line is what you know a lot of people say, which is you know in a young league there's going to be growth, there's going to be a changeover, you're going to see some um, you know teams move, you're going to see some teams move away, and I get all that. My struggle is you know this isn't the NFL in 1920 we live in a social media age and information is transferred quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And what I think that does now in that context is that it, it, it shows, it shows some instability. Now, whether or not that's so or not, so I, I'm not saying, I'm just saying the perception is there mm-hmm. that there's instability. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've talked to some players, some players are concerned, not just the players from ATL, you know, here we are in the second year in which players are having to figure out where they're supposed to go, where they're going to end up. And if they're going to be, you know, do they need to move their families? What do they need to do? You know, it goes back to the rugby now point that 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 Rick touched upon and in, in the around the pitch. Uh, there's ATL fans that, you know, like Daryl McCormick, a good friend of the show that's been there, that's been following the team since its inception. And, you know, he's had to go through this rebrand and now he's having to, does he follow the L.A. team? I don't know. You know, we know that, you know, the Chicago Cardinals went to St. Louis and they went to, you know, now um, um, Arizona and people followed them through that iteration. Will a lot of those fans follow this new iteration of ATL or what's going to be ATL? What about sponsors? What are they saying? What about potential investors of, of teams that might be coming in or thinking we're jumping in? What are their perceptions? I think those are the things that are just cause me a bit of pause of concern. You know, we're one year out of Gilligate. Just, uh, you know, if, if we didn't have that, we might have a totally different perception of what happened, right? But it's just unfortunately colored by that. Long term, it's a good result. Why? Well, obviously, LA is a huge market. That's important. GRV, which we know is controlling interest in elite, and probably this would have been the fourth team, relinquishes some of that that ownership. So you you diversify the ownership. Pressure off their back. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, I think that's important. You know, the ownership group, and I, I I, have been, I have some insight onto that, but I'm not going to let it loose. The ownership group, it, let me just say to fans, it diversifies ownership. And what I mean by that is you have, you know, New Zealanders own, own uh, Rugby New York. You have Dallas and uh, that's uh, uh, Miami. Uh, Miami are Argentinian. Uh, Houston has a strong South African influence. The Hounds, of course, have a strong Irish influence. And the OGs have a Scottish influence in this they will be diversified in their ownership group here. And that's great, you know, because it shows an inter- it shows an international interest in the MLR domestic competition. Um, my issue goes back to what Rick's point is, and that is if it was always up for sale, why go through the rebrand? Why not just keep it the way it was and let the team be sold? We know the new owners would rebrand and have some iteration, but at least fans would understand why that's happened, right? Instead of that shit show that happened, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, eight months ago. Um, I don't, you know, Rick said it all. I don't want to get into the weeds in that, but bottom line is. I didn't name any names, but there is a name that comes up in my mind every time. Yeah, right. So that's my biggest concern. Um, However, if LA rumors are true, and it does mean that the Chicago Hounds go to the East. I'll be able to see the Hounds and NOLA play twice. I'm guaranteed to see <laughs> NOLA come to hey, Chicago. You might run year. into your buddy here, Scott, on occasion. Yeah, Rob, <laughs> Hammer has to come out to me this year. Yeah, I got well, the newborn we're, now. We're, we're, I think we're going to make that happen. Um, I, I heard there's a couch with my name on it. A crib. 
a crib. Oh, crib. <laughs> Iron Us. It's uh, now you're starting crib. to tap into, you know, my my fantasies. And oh, sorry, it's going to share that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, again, these are all valid points, and I'm going to start uh, kind of my own little stream of consciousness here. Um, you know, talking. You know, Rick started off with the rebrand of of Rugby ATL and and the shit show that was that press conference that they had on Facebook. And I was one of the people there asking pertinent questions that they were dodging, Um, you know, real questions, not the same old. There was a lot of people there just kind of being trolls. I was asking actual pertinent questions and I felt like my questions weren't answered. And I believe they were reasonable questions to ask. Um, And you're right. uh, Picture paints a thousand words. Those, those people who were doing the rebrand, unfortunately, you know, you have to know you're on video and you have, you, regardless of what's happening, you should stay all smiles. Um, you know, we talked, Rick also talked about the unfortunate passing of Marcus Calloway and, you know, um, uh, uh, Global Rugby Ventures Group came in and bought ATL out um, from the Calloway family. And in my mind, you know, GRV isn't their, their, their place in the MLR. Right. If you if you go back to to 2020, right, um, they came in and what they were doing is they were just kind of giving teams capital, so that way over a long run, one team with one owner can do what they need to do. And I'm just going to quote um, what one of the executives said to our buddy Martin Pangeli in 2020 after the Glendale Raptors withdrew. Uh, this is an article from October 2020. Um, GRV, the executive said, we want to do this in a way that brings capital into the league and scale things behind an owner-operator model. GRV only takes minority positions and teams behind management behind management teams we believe in. It's like every other investment we make as an investor where we were, we were always on betting on that team. We do not see GRV as management team to run or control those said teams. Instead, we're here to support the individual game plan of each owner we invest alongside in. GRV does not vote in the MLR boardroom. I mean, that's what their game plan was. I think in their mind, you know, there was a a void, a power a power vacuum that needed to be filled to keep ATL afloat. I I applaud the executives at GRV of filling that void and actually doing something outside of the realm they wanted to do to keep the franchise alive. Right? That's regardless of the rebrand, they stepped in and. I do believe it was their point to try and sell, you know, as fast as they could. Um, I don't think there was a local buyer for whatever reason, you know. Right. Um, so they did the best they could, and then they had to kind of ship it over. It sucks for the fans. I'm I'm going to talk about the fan side now. You know, it, it's really disheartened about all the uh, rattle fans that you know we've we've grown to love over the years. You know, it was regardless of how well they did, it was it was a premier exactly. It was a premier franchise in the East Coast. It's it was a, it, I mean, the NOLA ATL clashes where that's, that's where the hate came from, right? It's like the free jacks and, uh, and New York, you know, it's, it's something that you lose and, and we don't want to lose that. Unfortunately, I think we kind of had to, um, if we wanted to keep the teams going and we don't want to end up like the premiership. I mean, I would take the premiership in the UK as, as the best model for professional rugby that we have, in my opinion, with the way they have their deal set up and, and they and the way they they can transition their players out to play six nations and still have enough guys to play quality rugby all those things you know make a point of it's sustainable if you can keep it commercially sustainable and we're seeing teams over there that can't do it on the commercial side we know we could do it on the commercial side here we you know it's that sleeping giant attitude right we can get those fans and pluck them you know we're at the ver- we're at the this the, the, the verge of we're going to get the fans they need to figure out how to keep the fans commercially um and honestly it it it's uh, easier said than done apparently when we're seeing you know the wasps and 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 everybody going away um so it's it's really tough but um interestingly enough you know when i was doing my research about the rebrand you know if you go to the rugby atl website and you go under ownership it still states that marcus callaway is the owner um i feel you know like in you know no no offense to the to the callaway family because they they're they're you know pillars of the mlr and, and that's you know they'll they'll marcus will always be always be remembered about the guy who started you know one of the owners who started the mlr and lifted it up to where it can go but like if you can't even update that 
as an ownership group, like it's those little details that we talk about all the time that make yeah. it seem unprofessional. And th- in my opinion, that's one of those things. Um, you haven't changed it the entire time and now you sold the franchise. So I think at the end of all this conversation, right, we're going to hit what Rick and, and Rob were talking about on the union side and the player side. Where's, where's the openness. And me and Rob talk about it all the time with Ty. Like it doesn't have to necessarily necessarily be open to the fans, but open to the players. You know, employees, you're going to you it already leaked on friggin Reddit before you had the official announcement anyway. So what's the damn difference if it leaked because you told a player and the player said something, in my opinion, because you're somebody's, you know, your employees, it's already a leaky ship because your employees are telling people and people are posting on Reddit anonymously because they don't want to do whatever they want to do. In my opinion, I think it's cowardly. If you're going to say it, go out and say it, Um, you know, show who you are. But, um, you know, I think. Again, that's the, the failure on the league to provide openness to the players and the employees and the admins, um, and they have to find out on social media is, you know, disgusting. And it's hark- it harkens back to like Dallas in twenty twenty one. You know, let me ask you this because uh, I, I just am not familiar with the entire touring side. Are, are there any ATL guys that were on tour with the Eagles? Uh, give me one second. Ma- was Mog- uh, Thompson? Nope. Uh, no, Momsen was in. No, I'm talking uh, the uh, prop. Uh, Alex, how do you Morgan? pronounce his last name? Morgan. Morgan. No, didn't he? He hung him up. He hung him up. No, he then, hung no. him up. Then yeah, no, no I'm, I was just looking at the list. I didn't see any. Okay, I, I didn't see. That any was my concern. Is you know that uh, last year he, had, of course, you know, um, I'm familiar with Bryce Campbell and uh, you know a couple other guys, uh, uh, Michael Duvall and a couple of other guys who were playing in Austin and a few guys in L.A. that. You know, all of a sudden they're on tour with the Eagles or in South Africa or, and, and, and they get a call, Hey, you know, you're no longer, you know, on a team in, in Austin anymore, you know, and the wife's going, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. my concern. Fortunately, it doesn't sound like it happened in this case, but that I, that's my concern, you know, moving hey, forward. Rob, it, it's funny. Uh, the guy who used to be the head coach and helped start Rugby ATL happens to be the USA head coach. Yeah. And maybe that should have been the first thing that we noticed was he did not pick anybody from Rugby ATL to be on the USA national team squad for this yeah. fall. I don't think there was anybody in the in camp from Rugby ATL. That should have been our first so either first yeah, note. Dan, Jason Dan Monson. Mon, those guys come to mind. Um, yeah. You know, Heaton's Canadian, so. Uh, uh, Wheeler? No Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler's probably pretty edge case. Yeah, Harley anyway. Wheeler? Yeah. He's he's in NOLA. Yeah, he was down in NOLA. Oh, I thought he was in. Well, he was originally. Two years ago, yeah. yeah okay, and then sorry. he was going to go to Chula Vista. And then, and yeah, and then I'm trying to think. Uh, Will Leonard's not USA eligible to next nope. year. So, right. you know, I mean, I know that. When ATL came to town to New York, he was here. Got it, got it. But he was looking at New York guys in that particular one. He gave me a list yeah. of New York guys at the time. He likes to watch players in their home venues because he he really feels that the the travel in oh, the MLR kind Duncan of Duncan Van Schalk. Oh yeah, Van Schalkwick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I didn't see him. He didn't make the traveling side. No, no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, so I think you're right. We didn't have that situation where some of these players uh, that are going on the tour were, were notified that hey, you know your your team's not there. But you know you see guys like like Mon was talking about like he Harley Davidson a, was the player I was thinking yeah, of. I apologize, right? right, right the right. other Harley. Yep. Yeah, Mon was saying talking about if you look at his uh, Instagram or Facebook post, you know he has a business that's in ATL. He's not looking to move out of that business. Right. And we've seen we've seen some I would call them high profile guys hang him up. Recently, Nick Feeks, uh, Quinn Nawadi, you know, young rugby players that are kind of calling it quits on the career because I believe, you know, they're trying to start careers uh, outside of rugby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a tough lifestyle to, to come over here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's especially for the Americans. They're not going back to New Zealand or South Africa or South America where they're playing yeah. in places like the NPC or they're going right. and playing for their national team, you know, a la Wilton Rabolo, you know, so it's tough. So I think we're going to see a lot of change until, uh, until we can get that, that union going. And, and I, even think, though- I think getting a pipeline of players going to South Africa and New mm-hmm. Zealand for the off season could be huge in terms of helping uh, develop the league, develop the players. 
and allowing them to play year round where they can make yeah. a reasonable year, annual salary. Yeah. As an aside, it was why it was good to see Cam Davidovitz from um, yeah. from New England. He's, mm-hmm. He went down, I think, was he with the Turbos, Manawatu Turbos, yeah. or yeah. something like that? So yeah, Turbos on like, like seven or eight guys, yeah. especially from New England. Yeah, yeah. and an American. I mean, he's one of the few Americans who've been able to make that or are making that transition. Yeah. Yeah, and and since, and my point is, if they're coming here to play in the MLR, we got to push back a little bit and say, hey, yeah. how come aren't we guys? You know, we have Cam going over there, but we should there should be a couple more guys there. Oh, for um, sure. There's several know, guys and, from the Jackals who should probably be over there and in art. And I think that would again, if you're if you're sending some kids who are you know USA eligible, it's just going to help them grow in the game and keep right. them fit. Did um, anybody but, else see the trade of Biddle as a sign that something was coming? I. In my opinion, I saw it, but I also went, well, if you looked at Toronto's offense. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I couldn't believe that Atlanta would give him up for basically peanuts. And uh, then became very clear to me that he wanted to be in Toronto because ATL was no longer going to be in ATL. And that was going to be a better situation for him. That's. Uh, I immediately, like, within, like, a few days before they even announced, I was thinking, he's got to have wanted to be in Toronto. Why would they have done that trade? I mean, well, he, and he as, well more than what they got for him. Yeah, but you know sometimes trades aren't necessarily about the worth as much as, you know, the player's not going to want to resign, so you're just trying to get anything for him. I think that's where the league is in trades right now. Um, you know, the, Rob Povey being, you know, the guy he wanted yeah. to be back in Canada, you know, so they, they worked the deal out because he didn't want to be – you know, but Biddle doesn't have a connection to Canada, you know, Canada directly. No, but I think, but I think if, I, in my opinion, you know, the 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 knock on Toronto was not enough foreign players. Oh, they needed a fly half. They needed know? another yeah. fly half. Yeah, you but know, and, and doesn't as, come back. Yeah, they as much as it. as much as they, you know, they have their rugby Canada guys. I think there is a lack of foreign players on the team that can give them something, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And in those key positions, like the fly half, obviously, yeah. if you can make a move there to get a guy like uh, Biddle, now you have all the Toronto's being like uh, Biddle up the middle, eh? But uh, let's let's talk. Let's let's transition to our next topic, right? So um, we're going to be talking about the USA match against Romania. So Saturday, uh, USA opened up its play schedule against Romania. Um, the first thing I, I'm going to say real quick, I was disappointed that Rob Ermescu actually wasn't in the lineup against the United States. Yeah. You know, our boy Rob, um, mm. you know, was, is, is eligible through his parents, uh, from yeah, Romania. Bro. He, yeah, he is on the, their traveling squad and I heard, um, he's going to be selected for the next match, um, and that's, might be going on their, on their world cup squad. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Yeah. I was going to say, you let's know, hope he makes a world cup squad. But, but I just thought like, like in my, in my opinion, I would feel like, you know, I'm, I'm always about, and I'll, I'm going to give this to Rob to talk about, but just this particular fact, I'm always about the juice. You hear me talk about the MLR. This, this team has juice. And I feel, you know, Rob would have played very well against the United States, not saying that Romania would have won, but I think the individual play by him would have been great because you do have some juice when you're here in the United States, you go to Penn state, you play at Rooney, uh, you play at uh, um, ATL, you know, you, you DC or DC rather, excuse me, you know, you, you don't get a look in your home country and you have to go to your, your, you know, your parents' country of origin to really get a serious look, you know, playing for the club, his dad played for now as a professional, um, you know, so in my opinion, there was some juice there that I think they could have pulled out in a good coaching move, but that's besides the point. So I'm going to hand it over to Rob to talk about uh, first, talk about the Romanian match, what you thought about it, and then give us something about the um, upcoming match against Portugal. Oh boy, a lot to pack on there. First of all, let me just talk about roster. Um, I I really liked what I saw out of Scott Lawrence's first outing as head coach. Uh, he blooded nine new caps. What I thought was interesting about that, though, is to put it in some context, um, five are under the age of 30, but only three of the nine will be under the age of 30 by 2027. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about, you know, he, yes, he's trying to develop a team for the next World Cup cycle. But, you know, again, you're bringing in of those nine players, only three of them, one third of them are going to be, you know, uh, still relatively young by the time they hit the next World Cup. Um, But I like the fact that he's bringing them in. I think there's a clear intent to try to develop a a good leadership process, connect that leadership process with, you know, leadership of old. I know that Dan Lyle and some other 
Dan Hodges and some, or Dave Hodges, excuse me, and some other, um, you know, captains have come in and worked with uh, the team and he's really trying to build um, a, a history um, and connect that history with, with a new culture. Um, let's see, uh, you know, the, I have heard good things out of Charlotte. <clears throat> a couple of people I've talked to uh, went to camp, watched it. And, you know, average in an international game, 42 minutes of ball play. Scott's trying to replicate that in training. I think it showed in the match. Um, my concerns, um, it was a statement game, solid win against a quality uh, qualifying team for Rugby World Cup. You had number 18 USA play number 19 Romania. Um, United States is now number 17. Um you know, uh, the interesting thing here is, though, is that in spite of a really good statement win against one of those teams you need to beat that's really close in the rankings, we played a good 50 to 55 minutes, and then we started to fall into our old habits that have happened under Gary Gold and, and prior to that where we just can't close out a team. I mean, we needed a step on the throat. Uh, do I think Scott Lawrence will rectify this in the Portugal game? I do. And I think we need to because this team against Portugal is ranked 16. They're one ahead of us, and they're also a qualifying team, as is Georgia in two weeks' time, which would be on the 19th of August. They're number 11. So these two next games for me are something I'm going to pay real close attention to because I think um, that will tell us the direction where Scott's going to take this team over the course of the next four years. But let me just say this in closing, Scott Lawrence, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll echo it from the mountaintops. He is the guy to lead this team forward in 2027, potentially beyond. He will put this team in the best position to win. And I think they're going to perform under his leadership and toolage the best they've ever performed. He just is going to need to be given the time and the resource to do so. Listen, I, I, I always trust Rob's assessment, um, you know, and he's a, he's a Scott Lawrence Stan. Obviously he simps for Scott Lawrence, which is okay. You know, it's, it's, a, it's good to, to, to see an old man still have urges like that. So uh, no, but it's, I like your assessment. I, I you know, I'm going to, I'll talk about it after Rick, Rick, what do you got? I, Scott Lawrence should have been the coach 10 years ago, and I think it was more of a um, whether he wanted to deal with um, USA Rugby at that time. Um, I think the the change in leadership in USA Rugby has um, uh, increased his interest in being interested in playing in coaching the national team. Um, and then I think with Callaway's death, that kind of gave him the opening. Um, that, that really was like knowing that he was going to leave, um, was a big piece of what, what's happened with the downfall of ATL. But on a positive note, that in my opinion has led to us maybe having the best next 10 years of USA national team rugby, uh, development. Um, he's a guy that can obviously take young guys, develop an entire program, and put together a winning team. Um, as we've seen with what life has done over the last 15, 20 years, and what they built life into rugby ATL and the success that they had as with him as head coach and, and uh, director of rugby. Um, having said that, I was very disappointed with the last, I would say, People said the last 20 minutes. I think it was more than that. Uh, the scrum started to fall apart in about the 55th, 56th minute. I hate to say that, but that was when Jake Turnbull came in uh, for Escaro. I think Escaro held up pretty well. Um, and then when Turnbull came in, uh, the scrum just started to disintegrate. Um, I don't know about the young kid um, who we've literally never seen before, Yen, young Yen. Yeah, Tajaki uh, young Yen. Yep. Uh, we got to see like two minutes of him. Not, I no idea. He looked like he could get around the park, which is good. Uh, but really, um, it, it told us nothing about whether he can play or not. I would like to see him start um, against Portugal. Um, I think uh, the combination of um, Iscaro and him, maybe in the front row with either uh, Joe or um, or Dylan Fawcett. And it, I would say you you might put Fawcett on the bench for this one and start Joe. I don't know what his plan is. 
but I think um, we can bully Portugal up front. And I'd like to see them do that. And they should do that. They did that to Romania early and they should continue to do that. I think Georgia is going to be the real test of our scrum and whether we're, um, you know, world rugby worthy or not. And I think we still have a lot of development to do um, in the, I would say, what is it? Young high school, um, older middle school age kids to get to that point when 2031, we've got a scrum that can really push for, you know, getting to a quarterfinal um, in world rugby, in the uh, world, um, rugby world cup, excuse me. Um, I think second row. Um, I think it was funny. We talked um, as Jackals fans about Gola, not really be, not being a lock. He was a flanker, um, an eight man coming out of college. And we thought he's a number six. Um, that's where he should be playing. And of course, Lawrence puts him at six. And so we're like, we're going to get to see the best of Gola. And I thought he was really, really good. Um, he can absolutely play second row. But I think if you want to have a legitimate scrum that's going to be world class, I'm not sure he fits into that. But you've got to find space for him because he's a phenomenal, phenomenal young player. Um, and I thought it, it, he showed up. He actually he was he wasn't the best player on the field, but you didn't go, oh my god, there's a hole, you know, at six and for a 23 year old. I think I thought he was phenomenal. Um, I actually thought. The back row was much better than I expected, especially with Luke White. And no, no hate at the uh, you know Luke White stands. Uh, there might be one here, uh, but um, I, I just don't think he is your traditional number eight. Um, but I thought he did quite well, um, and I would love to see uh, probably one of the younger guys get a row uh, a run at a, a twelve-o or even maybe even Colin Gross at eight. Um, so I, I think we got to see a kind of a mix, mix mash. And the fact that after 55 minutes, we were absolutely dominating this match and should have won by a lot more. Uh, in my opinion, um, they could have run Romania out of the building. Um, I think had they had the, uh, desire to do so at that point. I think kind of they felt at that point, uh, you know, we've done what we needed to do get to get a win. We still got two more matches. That's fine. Uh, Portugal's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, and then Georgia's going to be a lot more of a challenge. Um, I'm really excited to see how we match up against Georgia. That's going to be the test of whether we are a legitimate side to push for 27, and then, um, you know, to see what Scott Lawrence can put together for 31, which is really, you know, obviously 31 with the world cup being here in the United States. So that's going to be the big one. We've got to, we've got to at least show out. We've got to be close in matches. We can't be losing matches 45 to 15. That's just not, uh, it's not going to show well for us. Um, I thought the backs were fine. I still think it's a little bit vanilla, there were several plays that showed what we can do when we're not vanilla. And I'd like to see more of that. But um, you could tell that the boys were having fun. And to me, that was the most important part of this first match was they look like they're actually enjoying themselves. I'm not sure we saw that under Gary Golden. He may be an amazing coach, but I'm not sure I saw any of the American players look like they're enjoying themselves. Listen, it's if you're not having fun out there, what the what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, We're not getting paid. <laughs> They're not getting yeah. paid to uh, to pretend to have fun out there. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I do think, as far as my, the lineup goes, I think it was a solid lineup. Um, you know, just going down the list. Um, you're right. I think Jake Turnbull came in, but you also have to realize Paul Mullen, like you talked about, played like 79 minutes and. Paul Mullen is not built to play 79 minutes. No offense to Paul, but you know, I just, no, I'm serious. He's a, we love him. He's a 30. He's turning 31 this year. And, and, and you want him, you you know, so I think it was one, I don't know why. Um, In my opinion, I felt like maybe this is the match you bring Caleb Geiger in because you have to realize Caleb Geiger has just started doing the tight head duties over at New York. 
Um, and, and then, you know, he could also play hooker. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's versatile to do that. Yeah, I think um, maybe off the bench he would be a great option because yeah. he can play I, multiple positions. So yeah, exactly. Well, I think, yeah, he's, he's I'm not saying he should have started, but I'm saying, you know, right. off the – I think, I think you know, Scott Lawrence also wanted to get uh, uh, Takaji – yeah, and young some minutes, and it just right. didn't pan out that way. Right. Um, so I can I, I understand it. Like I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I do think though that Caleb Geiger, you know, when maybe against Georgia might be a better pick. Um, you know, having Dylan Fawcett on the bench as well or starting is always a good option because if you do have injuries down the road, Dylan Fawcett can play eight. You know what I mean? So if you have yeah. to move guys in interior from the outside and move your eight man to the exterior. Dylan Fawcett could then move back and you could put Gaelic Caleb Geiger or you could put Joe back in, you know, because Joe could play 80 minutes. Um, you know, so again, not knocking selections, just too. I'm just, yeah, I'm just talking about what we have that you might not have seen against this a, a, a good Romanian team. Um, you know, and I think I I I'm gonna say it. Scott Lawrence has that style of of play that New York tries to do, where they they're up front, they want to be as solid as they can, they want to make their their they're rolling malls into tribes, right? That's just kind of their bread yep. and butter. He's he's getting back to that. And while I feel like you're right, the back line was a, a little vanilla. I don't. I think they their point on this one was let's fix what we were supposed to be doing right before, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we know we know we can that. figure out the back line later. We could do basic stuff on the back line, but let's get our set piece right. Let's get our scrum right. Let's get our lineouts right. Let's get our rolling malls right. And if you see by the fact that Cam Dolan scoring the first one, um, who was the next one? Uh, no, McCarthy Dyer penalty try, which was going to be a rolling mall. And then, you know, the Patty Ryan, the third, I'm going to call him uh, coming in, getting his first cap yeah. scoring uh, on the outside there as a, as a loose, uh, a loose forward. Shows you that you know you have yeah really three forward tries right in this match. Yeah. I do agree the play on the back line was vanilla, but again I think that was game planning. I didn't think they I think they didn't want to do too much. They wanted to kind of get rolling, and I think you're going to see a little more against Portugal. Got, they have to do more against Portugal because the Portuguese back line will eat them up if they're vanilla. I think the most interesting play was actually um, when they took out Luke Cardi. And putting Chris Matina with the last four minutes at ten because Chris Matina to me really is a fifteen, um, yeah. you know. And, and to and to be honest, Mitch Wilson is a great player, but he didn't have to do he didn't have to do much this 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 match. Hmm. So maybe you take him out at sixty minutes and, and give yeah. Matina twenty at fifteen. Like I like you don't need to burn guys out. Like Mitch Wilson's going to be your fullback starter, right? But. Don't really, I, you don't need to burn them out early on, in my opinion. I think those are just the little technical things that the coaching staff will get right eventually. You know, it's you want to gauge where guys yeah, are at. Are we would, not going to see McGinty until Georgia? Uh, that's, probably. Uh, that's yeah. what my guess would I be. I think they're they're holding yeah. it. Yeah, I would say they're and holding that's, him. And that's why you saw it. That's why you saw Matina jump in at 10 rather than 15. Yeah. I yeah. And Matina can play not, 10. He can play 10, but that's. But I think he's a fifth. He's a fifth. He's, I think yeah, even, I, yeah, yeah, he's a fifth. He, he's a 15. Fifth, he likes 15. He yeah. likes to be able to see. Are, are 10 and 15 the biggest concerns right now? Because none of those guys are young. None of uh, none of them. No. They're not, but. 10 or 25. But Cardi's a young guy, and and um, you know he's Cardi's not Cardi's not flashy, but he's steady Eddie, and he can change tactics a little bit on you. Um, he's not a super big threat to make a break. He will try to you know poke a hole or find a soft shoulder, uh, but he'll he'll control the game. And I like to see him get more minutes at ten. And I think you're going to see. Maybe next year or the year after, Scott Lawrence is going to start looking at guys like Connor McManus. Connor McManus is a great ten. Connor McManus is hmm. USA eligible. Okay. He was born. He was born in Manhattan. Um, he is, I think, twenty three, twenty four. You know, um, you the know, eligibility pedigree. thing. I feel like is killing us though. The change to yeah. five years. Well, well I mean, yeah, but but he doesn't. He's he was born here. You know what I mean? And and when you look at T and I want to I'll go back to New York again because if you look at guys like Cam Dolan, Greg Peterson, Nate Brakeley, obviously not Sam Gala, but pa- even Patty Ryan's kind of a little bit older. But you you have a guy in New at, at New York in Joe Basser who is, you know, lived in Australia but was 
was born in Manhattan. He's USA eligible. Yeah. The five years doesn't matter. You know, yeah. For, the, yeah. for those two guys, the five years doesn't matter. And they're young enough where they're, when we're coming into that cycle at 2031, you, I'm not saying you transition them now and maybe not even next year, but you have to start transitioning them. And my, my point is look at what the French did. The French four years ago said, fuck <laughs> the six nations tournament. And they bled every young French player they had yeah. and got their ass kicked. And then the next year they were fucking winning and beating everybody because they had young, bright, fast players. And that's what we need to do. And that's not to knock on Cam Dolan and the guys who've done it before. There needs to be a transition. You can't just yeah. transition completely out of it. I, oh, I, I asked that. Cam. He said he's done. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. I, there's not I love Cam. He's yeah. Cup. He's I, he, world cup wise. Yes. Yeah. But my point is you don't just throw him on the trash heap either. Cause a lot of guys can learn how to travel with the team and do this and do that. And you know, all that stuff that you can learn from veterans. Well, so I think you're going to see more mm-hmm. trend, not this cycle, but post rugby world cup cycle, you're going to see a lot more transition to young guys. Here's, here's the thing. I think you need guys like Cam Dolan. I, I don't know how old Butch is. I'm sure the big guy knows uh, it probably has his birth certificate on file in his, in oh, his yeah. office. But um, those two guys mm-hmm. were, were absolute rocks in oh, yeah. one of the phases of the set piece that you need, right. In the line out, right. You mm-hmm. need a guy like Cam who can direct that line out. And then, you know, tool, you know, provide some toolage for somebody else to kind of pass that baton. Like over. Gola. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and Butch was money uh, mm-hmm. with his throws. I mean, absolute friggin' money. Right. And that's what you need to own the set piece. So, you know, you're going to carry, I think you're going to see Scott carry those guys forward a little bit just to be able to t- provide that transition um, and toolage for young guys that, that they want to see come in that are going to be the foundation. For well, that, that's, and that's a guy, Caleb Geiger and Sam Gola are the two right. guys I'm, uh, in this squad, I think. And Luke Cardi, the, the three guys in this squad that are really Scott's trying to set them up for the 2031 run. Because I mean, if you can get a guy like they'll Caleb be, Geiger, they'll be the seniors on that. Yeah, team. exactly. And you're talking about uh, if you if you get to watch uh, Caleb Geiger play prop, I would say the the game against Chicago is where he learned a lot. You know, he was going against Larome White, and and talking to him after that, he started to feel Larome pitch out to turn him. And he he anticipated and felt it to stay straight, and that's like a big light bulb for a lot of props that you don't understand it until it just kind of slaps you in the face. And that was his big biggest thing was getting turned. That's something sometimes you can't really simulate in practice because both guys are trying to go straight, right? But in the in in the game, you're you're trying to turn him, especially if the referee is on the other side. So, in him saying, I felt his hips move and I felt his shoulders start to move. And that's when I set myself up and posted. I was asking Rob about his prediction for, oh, for go for Portugal. it. My bad. Go for well, it. I think against Portugal, uh, I think he's going to test the back line a little bit, uh, open, let them open the, the floodgates and see what they can do. Put a little bit more flavor into things. Um, I think we can dominate their scrum and, and the set piece in totality a little bit more easily than we can with we could with Romania. So, um, you know, I think he might uh, sprinkle in some guys to get them a little bit more experience. Um, but I think the back line is the one to watch. I'll be interested to see what they do. Uh, and ultimately, I think what we're going to see the the lineup at least for the foreseeable future that you want to see going going and getting a lot of tick is going to be against um uh, uh, the the third match against uh, uh Georgia Georgia yeah that's Rick, what you, what's, what's your prediction I I really like to see um a very similar backline to what we saw against Romania but like Rob said let them open up a little bit try some different things um, obviously there's nothing to lose here. Um, we've got to get guys out there as well. So I wouldn't be totally shocked to see, uh, Lena Latu, um, on the bench, um, and getting minutes, hopefully 20, 30 minutes at least. Um, I'd like to see, uh, Lopete maybe yeah. get a few more minutes as well. What about Foodie? Isn't Foodie on the, uh, isn't he on the traveling? And Foodie, and Foodie yeah. at wing. Yes. So the, those are the three guys I think should be at least on the bench for this match. Um, and maybe and maybe the starting lineup, keep it the same, but get those guys out there earlier. Um, and, and I would like to see them play a little bit more 
with the backs. And, and I'm with more fun. I'm with Scott, man. I think you go maybe you put Paul Mullen out for the first you know 45, 50 minutes, and then you bring in, you know punch him in the mouth, as Scott likes to say, and then bring in a guy like Caleb Geiger, who's just a physical specimen who can you know take advantage of his opposition just with his with his physicality. Yeah, I think the only thing for me is I would like to see more of uh, Yen just to see like what he can do because we, as far as I know, I've not really seen him do anything yet. He ran around for like two minutes. So I'd like to see more of him. I don't know if it's him coming off the bench, but he came in for um, uh, Paul Mullen. Mullen, yeah, in like the 78th minute. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't anything. I don't even know if they got a scrumming. No, I think he got a line out. Yeah. He was a lifter on one of the line outs, and then he ran with the ball once, I think, and that was mm-hmm. all we got to see of him. So I'd like to see more of him, and maybe this isn't the match for it. Maybe it's mm-hmm. it's Georgia off the bench earlier, uh, but would like to see like, do we have a young prop that can play? Because he's twenty four. Everybody else is twenty six or older mm-hmm. on the front row. Did so, I don't remember? Oh, what the fuck? Who was it? Uh, if he was on the traveling squad, who's the young kid? Oh, it's gonna piss me off, dude. Klein, um, the hooker, Shiloh Klein. No, god damn it, can't remember his name. This is, I got baby brain. I mean, Mason Peterson's there. I can't believe he's nope. only 26. My, oh, I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, was, was he a DC guy? Is it No, no, no. Frig. Who the hell am I thinking of? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm we're gonna play Ascara though. I thought yeah. he, he really played well. Yeah, you know, he played he played very well. Um, but yeah, I think uh going into Portugal, I think you maybe have a little bit of a younger uh pack and an older, you know, stick with an older back line and but make them make the back line work. I mean, yep. don't get me wrong. Do what you're going to do in the set piece, but make the back line work. You know, make make sure your guys, especially if you're going to have younger forwards out there, make sure they're pod. You're getting out to your pods because those guys can make some breaks. You know, that's another part of the of of what I always see with a lot of our USA rugby guys, especially those those outside the the flankers and and the eight men's. You know, they get out to those pods, and you have guys like Hanko Hermesis who you know get get out to that pod, get that ball, and go. And that's just kind of what we do. And I think we need to get back to that, especially with guys like Sam Gala and Patty Ryan and Luke White yeah, and well, uh, Tuavao and all that. We so. need to see, that, see Colin Gross in this next match. I think that's another one. That's an interesting yeah. one. He, he was, I was, yeah, I think you want him in there. You want to, you want to blood him early yeah. to get for sure what you need. To get. He would, he's going to get murdered by Georgia. I, I, I think, yeah, it, for sure. I think Patty Ryan, though. I thought he, I thought Patty Ryan's twenty four, but I tried to do some research on him, and I wasn't able to find his. I've got him at twenty four. Yeah, I think yeah, he's twenty four, maybe twenty four. I, I thought he brought. I, I thought he brought as much physicality to the game as Hanko Hermesize. He, he very except, similar, very similar. Except doesn't commit the penalties, mm-hmm. which is critical. Well, and right? and and that's where I say that's where I say where does Jameson Fanana Schultz end up because he played great with DC this year and was, was not his hot headed self this year and had a complete turnaround to which I feel like he earned a spot to get some playing time. I'm just saying they're only carrying four back row players. I know that that's why I feel a little, I feel, I feel a certain way about it because I feel like his MLR season, he proved it. And 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 none of them are eight men. They're not carrying one eight man on this entire squad. Dolan yeah. and Gola are the closest thing to eight men, and they're both listed as locks. But like I said, you can also actually Caleb Geiger has played eight for New York as well. So you have the two guys from New York. I'm just saying the two guys from New York rugby can play eight if you need them this to. Guy just and you and you have you have no, but my point is you always have to carry the props and the hookers anyway. So yeah. you might as well have those guys and then you know you can put them in on the bench, and then God forbid a lock goes down or two locks go down, which has happened before. We've seen it happen to major league rugby teams and guys have to shift. And all of a sudden you have, you have those people. You have a lot of experienced players who can play multiple positions. Right. I'm saying and back five. There are a lot of guys. I I asked James Dealey and he couldn't, he couldn't confirm this on MLR stats, but I'm pretty sure Dylan Fawcett led the MLR in 2023 and 50 in in 50, 22 kicks. So he could actually play 10. (laughs) 
if we needed him to. Okay. Anyway, guys, okay. there's no way that's that where we're gonna wrap. That's where we're gonna wrap it up right now. We had a really long episode. I'm kind of glad it was fun on these long episodes. <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for watching, Rick. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we're actually gonna see Rick next week because next week our Thursday show is gonna be live draft event. We're gonna be doing our live draft event. Rick and the Jackal Den are gonna be at the the Rugby Union Pub. We're going to be at the Rugby House Pub uh, in Plano, it looks like. Uh, everybody voted for that, and uh, they've got a whole separate section with three TVs for us. Nice. Yeah. So if you're in the area, if you're in the Plano area, go check out the Rugby House Pub. Get on. Anytime the Jackals are making their pick, we're going to have Rick and the, the boys on to talk about it and give us a little bit of debrief. I'll be on the entire third round, it looks like. Yeah, they Jackals <laughs> have a lot of picks. It's going to be fun. Um, but Rick, thank you so much again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And this was a great episode. Rob, can't wait till next Thursday, buddy. I'm gonna yep. I'm really excited. But uh fans, we'll see you live next Thursday. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.